Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Good afternoon, everyone. Can you hear me? Okay, we saved the best for last, I promised you. How's everybody doing, okay? Great. Good afternoon. I'm Sherry Ephraim. Thanks for joining the session today, the fourth place at Liberty Group Limited. I'm Sherry Ephraim, and I'm Director of Business Development with ISS. ISS is a leading workplace experience facilities management company that partners with clients to drive engagement and well-being of people, minimize the impact on the environment, and protect and maintain the properties around the globe. As an official summit wellness sponsor, we invite you to explore the refocus on wellness tool on your app. So go to your dashboard, go to the second link, and then you can click on it and explore that where you'll find tools um, to help with your wellness journey. We are pleased today to sponsor this innovation learning theater session. And it's now my great pleasure to introduce Theru Pillay, who will bring you the fourth place at Liberty Group Limited. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ifram. And glad we could keep some people off to the lunch break. So I'll try and keep you awake for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Um, spent 26 hours flying to get here, so I come from South Africa. I've got a colleague of mine in the audience, Nitesh, sitting in front with me. And we both represent uh, Liberty, which is a subsidiary of the Standard Bank Group. So if you've seen this uh, badge anywhere, that's the Standard Bank Group badge. And uh, my presentation today talks to the fourth place, which I'll explain as we go through uh, some of these slides. And I've got a bit of multimedia, so there's some videos that you'll be able to watch as well as we go through it. And hopefully I'll give you a sense of these two organizations I've spoken about, just in terms of size and presence. So Standard Bank Group, which is not insubstantial, has been around for 160 years. It is the largest financial service provider on the African continent and uh, services uh, a, a piece of the London market as well in partnership with ICBC, which I'm sure you all know is quite a large Chinese bank. Standard Bank also had a presence internationally in some countries pre the pandemic, uh, but has decided to focus on the African continent. And you'll see as I go through the deck, we talk about Africa as our home and we drive her growth as the purpose of the Standard Bank Group. Liberty, which is a long-term life insurer, is, an, is one of the larger life insurers in the South African context and is growing our footprint on the African continent in partnership with the Standard Bank Group, who already have a presence in all those countries mentioned. We've been around for 66 years and, uh, again, not insubstantial in terms of the financial numbers the size of business, what we do, etc. So I'm here today to talk to you about the fourth place, which is an initiative we started um, around 2019. And when the pandemic hit, we thought, let's not waste a, a crisis. Let's use the opportunity to transform our campus and demonstrate to our employee base that they left a building which was really a sea of workstations. If you think about what historic offices look like, and when they came back, they were really wild with what, what they found. And I was saying to some of the colleagues that we interacted with over the past few days, we fortunately didn't have the challenge of 
getting people back to the office. They wanted to come to the office because of what we created. So what did we do? Um, I'll touch a bit on the background, cover off some of the initiatives and rationale, look at collaboration and how we collaborated in the process and so forth and, and kind of get through a fair bit of content in the 20 minutes I've got. So I'll, I'm going to move at a bit of pace, but I'll keep a few minutes at the end for any questions you might have. So again, what is the driving force behind this? We had an opportunity as a real estate service team to do something strategic for our organization, and those opportunities don't come around every day for a grace function. And that's just the reality of what we do, right? And we very early on, uh, as was mentioned in the general session yesterday, we very early on secured executive buy-in all the way from the board of the organization to the C-suite and ensured that our partners in the business understood that this was a collaboration initiative. Who were the partners that I referred to? Change management was going to be key, so getting our human capital partners on side was important. Getting our marketing, branding, and communication teams on side equally important. Getting our IT colleagues on side extremely important. With the pandemic, pandemic having hit us, we were f fairly quick in moving to a remote working posture, and everyone was up and running within space of a week to two weeks at most in terms of working remotely. And that's the way the organization migrated. In close con con discussion with, with my, my CEO at the time, David Monroe, we agreed, let's use this opportunity and drive this initiative we'd been planning for such a long time. So we started the planning in 2019. The costs were restrictive, as was spoken about many times in this conference. Getting your budget sorted, getting the financial support, demonstrating the value proposition in terms of what you're going to put on the table is vitally important. We used some of the players in the exhibition hall, the likes of JLL, Tetris, and we believe that we were fortunate at the time because the world had gone into a pandemic. Everyone had run off to lock themselves away in their homes, and you could secure fairly good pricing with these large providers because the work was, uh, wasn't plentiful at the time. So what did we do? I've spoken to our purpose, Africa being our home and us driving a growth. I think it's important to highlight that uh, we were aligned as a real estate team and we worked within the wider organization with the Grace team at, an at a center bank group level to keep them informed and to demonstrate what we were planning to do. I've got a short video I want to play for you just to give you a sense of in late 2019, we articulated the alignment of our workplace strategy to our culture, our brand, and technology transformation plans. We agreed to make improvements in Brompton team in order to drive organizational change, create new energy, and realize improved productivity and performance. Our plan represents a strategic shift which aims at creating a competitive advantage for Liberty. We call this our Future Flex Workspace program to transform our business using real estate services as a catalyst for our genuine and sustainable workplace change. We know that the office has changed for forever and we want to be at the forefront of defining that change 
for the liberty and its people. To create Liberty Workspace of the future, we have a bold vision to put us ahead of our competition, both locally and globally. Our aspirations are clear, and these are just some of the possibilities. We have an amazing opportunity to design a truly fit-for-purpose workspace environment, which enables our people to do their very best work, attract and retain talent while delivering exemplary service for our clients. A true reflection of the Liberty brand. We are ready to make this happen together. I'm hoping that short video gives you a sense of, of what we'd embarked upon. And just touching briefly on, on the background, you'll see that we drove this as a business transformation initiative. This was not a real estate only initiative. And we understood the importance of the interconnected working parts of ensuring that our human capital business partners were on side, that our chief information officer understood the importance of technology because people had gone off to work remotely and if you couldn't give them a wow experience and demonstrate that when you walk back into the campus, things like Wi-Fi was a no-brainer, uh, connectivity, having access to Teams, audiovisual equipment, etc., had to be top, uh, top draw in terms of that. So with limited funds, our founder of Liberty, Sir Donald Gordon, was knighted in the UK before his demise last year. He, he made a statement to say, limited funds are a blessing, not a curse. Nothing encourages creativity more than that. So I thought it was a brilliant saying from his part, and we kept it close to us as a team, given the rich heritage our founder had left behind. So we looked at the office through the lens of this fourth place concept that I talk about, and we realized people had gone home, they've created their home offices, and they were accustomed to working in that environment where they would have their me space, and it was private, and they would have their connectivity, their technology would work, as the pandemic was lifting, many people started becoming bolder, going to visit coffee shops, to, to reconnect with employees, to reconnect with colleagues, reconnect with family and friends. And so that coffee shop experience was equally important uh, in our planning. And then your traditional office, which was, in our case, a sea of workstations, wasn't the greatest experience. But with wellness being front and center, things like stand-up offices, stand-up desks and space was becoming very important. And one had to con conceive and accept the idea that hybrid working was the way of the future. So there was always going to be those one or two people that couldn't physically be in the same room with you. And having a mentality of trying to force everyone back into the office to have a meeting or to have an engagement wasn't the way to go in terms of the future. So how did you ensure that your capabilities were world-class, and regardless of whether you were dialing in from Denver in Colorado to a meeting in Johannesburg, South Africa, the connectivity had to work, had to be seamless, the quality and consistency had to be seamless, and the person had to have the feeling that they were in the room with us. And that's how we designed our meeting rooms. So whether you were physically present or whether you were dialing in from externally didn't make much of a difference, your voice was still heard, and you were still felt to be part of what was happening. I touched on the pandemic being the accelerator for us and the fact that we didn't lose 
the opportunity to demonstrate that we didn't waste the crisis. With people having left and gone home to, to do what they had to do, that was the one side of it. But keeping in mind that our GRACE team had to be physically present. We were transforming a campus, and uh, I'm not sure how many square foot it is. I should have done the research, but it was sizable in terms of 100,000 square meter premise that was being worked on that comprised multiple buildings, as well as had the opportunity to create a park-like environment, which we call the Indoor Park. So in creating this capability, we transformed your arrival experience to the campus, which historically was a black hole. You, everyone drove into a basement park, their car came up to reception and did what they had to do. And fortunately, we equally sit in a fairly academic environment with the University of Advanced as a neighbor of ours. So a fair amount of pedestrian traffic in the immediate environment. And we realized fairly quickly that we needed to change that arrival experience. You needed to have an entry that was impressive for a pedestrian coming in to visit your premises or for a customer coming physically to the premises. Uh, it had to make a difference uh, in terms of that. And so we did that. We considered the different concepts of coffee shops, the me space, the I space. So we went with the I uh, share and we share concept, which is fairly familiar to all of you, and applied it in terms of our planning and our design stats. And we worked closely with Tetris in creating a digital twin of what we wanted to do. So we put more effort into the planning side of it to see what it would look like, what it would feel like. We created um, experiences for our executives that they could participate in from remote locations. They could log in and see the progress that was happening on the campus, provide the inputs in terms of what looked right, what didn't look right, without having spent a cent on actual physical change. And that for us was, was brilliant in terms of being able to do that. And so the, the first place historically, if you think about it, was your traditional office, that CEO of workstations. That was what the office was. The second place of work fairly became, fairly quickly became your home office when the pandemic hit. And your third place of work became places external like restaurants, coffee shops, etc., where people could meet. We call this a fourth place because it encapsulates all of those capabilities within the same campus. So if you come to our campus and you want to have a coffee shop experience, we've got work cafes that you can go and operate from. You've got your connectivity, your seating is ergonomically designed so you don't end up messing your back up uh, because you're working in a, a work cafe. We've paid particular attention to wellness aspects. We've improved air quality, circulation. The HVAC's been worked on in terms of what we've done. So, th so that was all quite fantastic. And I've got a few slides in here. I'll try and share it through Cornet so that you can see some of our executive comments. Jericom CB heads up our asset management business called Standlib. It's the third largest asset manager on the African continent. They have uh, just over a trillion rands of assets under management. And again, we incorporated the strategy of the largest standard bank group organization in everything we did. So you'll see on these slides, we talk about Africa being our, our home and driving a growth. We equally went out to our employees and explained to them that what we'd created at head office in Bromfontein was meant to be rolled out everywhere else. So whether you're working in an office in Kenya or you're working in an office in South Africa, the look, feel, and experience had to be the same. The collaboration process wasn't just internal. All the suppliers we used practically sign in blood because we needed them physically present during a pandemic. We needed to ensure that they were committed to what we were trying to achieve within an extremely tight timeline. 
of transforming a campus that people had left in a certain way when the pandemic hit. And we wanted to wow them when they came back, which is what we succeeded in doing. So those are some of the names that we'd used uh, in terms of the third parties that supported us. But equally, I must call out my fellow executive members from human capital to IT to brand and marketing to almost every part of the business. When they were called upon, they made themselves pre present because they understood the strategic importance of what we were trying to do. Got another quick uh, run through of, of some of the um, before and after pictures that you, you can see. And touched on the fact that this was not a small initiative. You know, we had closed offices, workstations, very dark, not enough natural lighting. And we really transformed that into uh, an amazing place people wanted to be in. While that's uh, fleshing through, I just wanted to touch on some comments made by Peter van Emberg yesterday when I listened to his uh, presentation. He spoke about data don't lie, and he's so right. You've got to measure what you do to generate success, and data was important. We went through the data points. We also engaged our employee force in terms of some of the stresses and strains they were going through during the lockdown, working in remote offices, the mental ch uh, health challenges they were going through, some of the physical health challenges, challenges they were going through. And uh, we created this indoor park, which is pretty much a wellness center where people can go out, get some sunshine. It's, uh, it's Wi-Fi enabled, you can go and work in the park. And the way we've created the seating using natural rock, et cetera, is at the sort of levels that are comfortable for you to sit down and have a meeting with colleagues in an open air environment. So that just sort of gives a sense of some before and after pictorials of the office space, much more open, much brighter, um, and it caters for the need and the demand that, uh, that we have. I'll just flip through these fairly quickly. Implementation approach, again, we were very tough on the pricing, the guaranteed maximum prices. We went through the process of upcycling a lot of the furniture that we have in the environment and recycling a lot of the materials that we have in the environment to create the outcome that we had. So it wasn't cutting the entire building and bringing everything in new. It was done in a very structured fashion and we were very cognizant of things like ESG. So again, attending this conference and listening to the numerous ESG sessions Microsoft presented this morning, it was pleasing to know that we've kind of done that, guys. We've, we're there. <laughs> you know, and it's not about putting a number to something. It's about demonstrating delivery of that number that you've committed to and proving that it can be done, and then how it can get sustained into the future. Um, David Jewell is head of our risk and savings business uh, as an actuary, and again, very tough profession, the actuaries. So to please the guys and keep them comfortable that they're coming into an environment that's not going to put their lives at risk was, was vitally important, and we got that right. So we took the lessons we learned, we shared it with everyone. The dream team wasn't just me, Nitesh, and our Grez folk, it was the wider organization. They'd participated, they'd given their inputs, they'd shared with us uh, what, what good was going to look like. And again, I spoke about our holding company, Stenabank Group. We said, how do we leverage the processes back in on a continuous basis? Because things don't stop at a point in time, and today isn't the perfect practice of what real estate is all about. It continues to evolve, it continues to change. How do you ensure that you keep your A game and demonstrate value as best possible? Um, that just sort of gives a sense of a very transformed reception area. The best practices that we learned, we put into good use and demonstrated that it, it can be used and can work. We then also used technology to do post-occupancy evaluation to see what's, it, what's happening in the building. 
Are the meeting rooms being used? Is the catering being used? I'll very quickly just mention we went facial recognition. So people left the office, if you think about it, and they had one of these things that they had to go and scan to get access. Now if they drive into the office, the number plate gets recognized, the boom opens up, they come in using their face, and we put a little trick into the system. If you don't smile, the, boom, the, the access turnstiles don't open for you. So what a nice way to start your day. You've got to come in, give a smile to, okay, it's to a screen, but nevertheless, you get into the building, and when, when you monitor people's activity in the reception coming into the building, and you see that they've started their day like that, it's amazing. They see their colleagues, they actually greet them, whereas, pre-pandemic, people would walk oblivious to their neighbor walking next to them. You know, so that's made a big difference. Um, and again, just being able to easily connect was very, very important. Every time I come in here, it feels like I'm coming into a hotel. Awesome. <laughs> Lovely, baby. So I, th I think that hoteling experience was also very important. We created concierges on every floor. Employees could easily get access and uh, support and assistance as they needed it. And I think the innovation at Significant Slide talks about the approach we ad adopted around a balanced business case and ensuring that we applied our mind pragmatically to, to the art of the doable. And with that, really, we came out with, with quite a magical outcome. I must just quickly mention that in that park that you saw, there's things like an earth mound where you can connect, you take your shoes off and connect with nature. There's meditation sessions. Uh, we've had a few parties in the park, open air, jazz festivals. So some really nice opportunities that become available to you as an organization when you've got this kind of facility uh, to utilize. And also a nice give back to the community in terms of making an open space available for the general public to utilize within a safe and secure environment. That brings me to the end of my presentation. I committed to leaving a few minutes for you, but this was quite a quick uh, speed through. So I'll see if there's any questions I could perhaps answer. Yes, over to you. Share the mic. I thought I heard you mentioned um, a digital twin that you developed with Tetris. So if that is the case, how did you use it? How far did you take it? Was it to do some predictive modeling ahead of time? So if you can explain that, that would be great. Sure. I would say yes, yes, and yes. 
So essentially, it was important to spend careful time on planning because of limited budget uh, availability. And uh, it's a large campus, so you wanted to make sure that the impact was in the appropriate areas and where you were repurposing things like ceiling boards and so forth, that it wouldn't be so visible that you hadn't transformed and changed it. So in creating the digital twin, it helped us tremendously in terms of improving things like airflow in the building, looking at the electrical layouts and how that needed to be conducted, and then picking up the high traffic points in the building once it was reopened to see that you could fairly easily ingest people coming in at the same time if there was going to be a peak rush in or out of the building. Looking at things like your parking, because what we did through this transformation project is we moved from being a heavily paper-based insurance organization, an asset management organization, where fun fact sheets would lie around, et cetera, to becoming truly digital. Um, we kept printers, but we created printer rooms, and there were like two or three on every floor, so people had to walk to get to a printer. They stopped printing. So we stopped using paper. Uh, for me, it, what was absolutely amazing was watching our legal team transform from lengthy legal contract documents that had to all be printed out to being digital. So having the digital twin enabled a lot of that to see where do you position these printers. We created things like mother's rooms um, for, uh, you saw the crash that came up, we've got a gym crash, et cetera, but for those moms that were still breastfeeding their kids, they've got those facilities available, there's prayer facilities available, co cognizant of the different religious groups that we needed to cater for. But just having had that, transformative change, when people came back and they could see that, they wanted to be back in the office. You know, and, and for them it was that lots of people I think were frustrated also equally of having worked at home for such a long time due to the pandemic lockdowns and all the different uh, new strains that were surfacing from a COVID perspective. I hope that helps answer your question a bit. Any other last questions? We're out of time, so I'm going to call it there and thank you all so much for your participation, appreciate it. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.